and welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Episode 20, and we're in episode 3 of season 2. We're exploring biography. Can biography be a viable subject like geography? But instead of the study of just the land and the ecology and the people as part of that, what is the... When we look at biography, we're talking about the life, a life, our lives. We are dealt this hand, all kinds of hands, and what do we make of it? And how do we understand our lives, both our individual lives, but the lives of our friends and family, and the lives of our children, the youngsters coming up? And I remind us, when we think of biology, to think about plants, to think about plants growing in different soils. What are the soils we surround these plants with? What is a healthy plant? Because a healthy, a healthy plant is not a spoiled plant. A healthy plant has dealt with some challenges from the beginning, has experienced some drought and some, and some periods of great wealth of waters, has experienced good resources in the soil. So what is a healthy what does a healthy child look like and how does that become a healthy adult? And how much of that is laid down in the first five, six, or seven years? We have the opportunity to, to be exploring this 7-Up series and this gives us a great opportunity to view these 14 different children and see them age seven years at a time. So I sat down with a, a friend of mine who was very thoughtful and sociological and psychologically often thinking type of character, my friend Elle. And she, uh, she joined me to watch the, the video, the first documentary, and to discuss it. So we're going to listen to a few highlights of our post-game recap, and then I'm going to close it down with a few other comments. All right, so uh, what do you think of the documentary? Oh, I really enjoyed it. You did? I did. I was skeptical when you first told me about it, but why? It sounded boring. Okay. Following a bunch of seven-year-olds, I don't know. I guess it seemed very generic. Mm-hmm. I didn't really. Um, I guess I never really thought about what. What the uh, seven-year-old encompasses, they're like they're like you said they're like many people. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, you said will you watch the next one? Oh, I'm very intrigued to watch the next one. I want to watch. I, I mean, it makes you want to. It makes me want to watch them. Up through the end, I'm so curious about these children now. Yeah, yeah, they're it's so, interesting. Yeah, they're they're very um, they're very unique. Some of them seem very like some of them seem so intelligent, like mm-hmm. so um, so mature, I guess too. They are very mature. Like some of them. Some of them more so than others, yeah. But it's definitely a different time and place, mm-hmm. you know. True. And this is they're filming this in I think 1963, and the documentary came out in 64, so. So yeah, these people were born in '56. Um, what did you actually think about the documentary? Like, you know, as as a film, as a short film, do you think it was well produced? Do you like how they did it? Do you like how it was organized? Did, any impressions? Do you? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I I tend to enjoy old old mm. films. I mean, I think that, I mean, it was such a different time period. The criteria is so different. You can't really. It's hard to. I think. I think there was just a higher quality back then in general. Yeah. I think it was a good, I think they did a good mix of like just, 
you know, B-roll footage, you know, just, you know, images without any words. Mm-hmm. And then I'll the interviews. I really enjoyed the interviews. I thought the clips, the way they pieced them together was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, did any, uh, what was the most, was there anything really surprising or really uh, just uh, um, noteworthy? Any moment? Um, I found the I found the rich people to be quite um, quite interesting in their uh, in their pretentiousness. I mean, they're so little, but they're just so they're so set in such a way. And um, yeah, and it was fascinating how their their lives they they know where they're going in their lives till like they're twenty. Yeah. <laughs> and right. then the one kid is just like, I don't. My mom has it all right. <laughs> my mom's got it written down somewhere. <laughs> and. Uh, Oh, and I really enjoyed the um, the boy who didn't want to get married because he didn't like greens. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one of the most legendary quotes of the whole series. Well, what if I don't want to eat greens? <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's pause and listen to that clip. You like to get married, uh, Paul? Tell me why not. I don't like him. Say you had a wife, they, they say you had to eat what they cooked you, and and say I don't like greens, well I don't, and say she said you have to eat what, what you get, give, so I'd, I don't like greens, say she gives me greens, and, that, and that's it. What was also quite fascinating is how how different their accents were just from different parts of England, or mm-hmm. you know. Let's listen to another excerpt. This one has three samples in it, and the first and third are Nicholas in Yorkshire, a very rural child, and in between is Neil uh, Liverpool, and that's why I said you could hear some of that that Beatles accent. I'm the only child in the village except for my baby brother. It was uh, one last Friday. I mean the Friday before last Friday. Neil from Liverpool said he preferred living in town. Because in the winter, if you lived in the country, well, it was just all wet and there wouldn't be anything for miles around. And you get so- and if you get soaked, if you tried to go out, and there's no shelter anywhere except in your own house. But in the town, you can go out on, on wet, wintry days because you can always find somewhere to shelter because there's lots of places. They'd like to come out for a holiday in the country when we like, when I like to have a holiday in the town. Yeah, it is fascinating to think of where they will go. The fact that we can watch the next documentary and see. We don't have to wait seven years. We're working our way up to the present, even the was new this, one. This, I this, understand that the footage was taken in 1963, but when the documentary came out in 64. 64. And then this, like, they, just, they just filmed 2018 this past fall, and it's come out in 2019. So, in May. Um, but in the documentary, they said that they're trying to take a look at England in the year 2000. 2000 yeah. So they so they went beyond 2000. Oh, the guy who produces says he'll do it till he dies, or they want to have subjects. And everybody's still like on board and still like does the interviews. We'll, we'll see. I only watched the first one so far. Wait, but you wait. know, but you know that he's keep that he's that he's keeping on going. I guess. 
for lack of a better way of yeah, saying it. Yeah, I've done some reading about it, about this year's episode, and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep on going. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a cheat sheet, and I'm gonna, you can download off the website, weatherofthemind.org. Um, where we're going to, I'm going to have every, everybody's name and just like what, what school they, you know, just like a little bit of a bullet point so you can help remember because it's kind of hard keeping track of all the characters. It, what, they did a really good job in subsequent episodes of when they show you, when they reintroduce a character, they show you them the episode before or, or two. So it kind of has this, um, refractory effect. And where they're it's all on YouTube? Self-sampling. I, at least the first five or six are on YouTube. Um, I'm not sure if the last two or three, they're still trying to get people to pay for them so they're not on YouTube. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, you definitely could catch most of them, at least the first five or six on YouTube. So the plan with the podcast is to do um, the first four and then see where the interest level is, you know? Because I didn't know if doing them every week in a row would be too dense, and I also don't want to bother some listeners who are not going to be into the you know maybe into the documentary mm-hmm. but hopefully they'll still find the dialogue about interesting maybe it's something they could do later in life because the reason i wanted to put this on the podcast is because i like i like to just try to share things of value and i just always have i mean i introduced them somebody along my travels told me hey you know what you should check out seven ups up series on bb he's at bbc i think and it's not actually not produced by bbc but actually granada television Nonetheless, it kind of feels like that kind of PBS vibe documentary. And I don't remember even when I learned about it, maybe 10 years ago, but I definitely started investigating, learning about the series. And I think it's fascinating. And it certainly has its limitations. It's only a, a one-off, but I kind of think that there might be, might inspire the next generation of documentary filmmakers to think about um, people's lives. I also think you could do something... That's kind of fascinating for personal archive is like you could have like an interview with like someone could interview when you're seven like you know your brother just for fun mm-hmm. you know we do we have all these we're so fixated on photography we have all these pictures of us but now we can and, and video but i'm i'm i kind of like the audio too you know i guess it's i guess the video is good too. we get we get distracted by the uh images there's a lot to take in oh no I, but I mean, it was I, cool <clears> seeing <throat> it though, in this yeah. case i think yeah. I think audio, I think the visual is the facial expressions, you know? Oh my you god, gotta, yeah, you're right. seeing those facial expressions. I think when we're, when we're adults, we become more standardized. But kids, they like, yeah, how they were perceiving the questions, you could read their faces so much. The way they were twirling their hair, mm. the way that they were giggling and pushing Posture, each other. Posture, jumping around. Uh-huh. Like, how, like even the one kid who kept on moving, all, you know, all the different kids are moving different ways or sitting totally still. And being like, told, oh yeah. Does that correlate with, you know certain types of personalities and will they end up, you know, being in a job where you need to move more versus sit still? I, I don't know. But like if you, if someone had told you that Troy was a monkey, but you didn't like see him climb up that pole, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, it just wasn't the same. Tony, not Troy, Tony. Oh. Tony. Tony. <laughs> yeah, like. And his girlfriend, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> Who I thought they've been married for like 25, 30 years. And they were like the London East End working class, like, you know, and, uh, Man, I feel like he comes up. I mean, he, I don't know. That that leopard shawl and that white fur cat man are something else. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting seeing all the kids go to the movies by themselves though, like very independent at age seven. They get mm-hmm. money from their parents and go down to the waiting line for the movies. And even the working class kids were able to do that. So that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know. It was kind of like 
and maybe that was mostly working class kids at the line because the upper class kids were doing some having tea or they're away at some private school somewhere you know well tea was a very multi-class thing in England we think of tea as upper class but my impression of England is like it's like coffee there like it's like here having coffee is like it's not upper class like there you could spend five dollars on a coffee but a lot of people drink coffee right yeah, but not everybody sits down with their parents at 3 o'clock in the afternoon after they come home from school and drink a cup of coffee at the, at the table in, like, the living room. And they did in England, with pro- Well, I'm saying, sa- yeah, so. I wonder if Tony drank tea. That would be a good tester. I don't think Tony drank tea. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we will oh, see. man. So Tony wants to be a jockey. That's cool. I like it. Mm. Yeah, and then the two boys in the uh, boys' home. They're very interesting. Oh, they're very interesting characters, yeah. You can, like, see where their walls are up already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When that kid was talking about his greens, I was wondering if that was, like, representation of some mother figure or, like, some kind, you know? Like, that's a very specific thing to say. Oh, my goodness. That just doesn't come up just because, like, like you know, that's, like, a very distinct fear. It's, like, you know, that fear could turn into some, like, something that seems kind of arbitrary or benign when you're an adult, but when you're a kid, like... That little thing, you know, could fester into, like, being afraid of something or, like, you know, being obese because you don't like to eat greens or something later on in life. And, like, you might never know why it is you're obese. And that's all because, like, this story of when you were little about how someone tried to feed you greens and you didn't like them and it scared you because they were mean to you and yelled at you. But, like, this is, like, this is the neurosis as it's, like, in its, like, inception. Yeah, well, exactly. I I mean, you think of, like, people as, like, plants, right, and the culture they're landing in. That seed is landing soil. in soil, right? Yeah. But then if, if that, but even by age seven, and let's presume, you know, we'll say that's one, you know, one sixth, one seventh, one eighth of their life. I mean, maybe even more, one tenth, one twelfth. But it's that, like, whatever, that, that's still a portion of their life has passed. And it set, it set a lot of things in motion, you know? Yeah, like, seven's like the, isn't seven, seven's like the psychological magic number. You develop, your brain is developing, your, indif- like your personality is developing up until the age of seven. And then after the age of seven, it's like you're no longer, like, you've already, you've already established your way your of thought. Like, yeah, like how you perceive the world and how you're going to go about it. But you take the first seven years of your life to do that. Mm. So that's why seven is such an interesting point to start this conversation. Because we're seeing these kids at the beginning of their, like, their personalities. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the culmination of the first six years of their lives and what they've learned and how they've experienced the world, what the world has taught them, how they've learned to deal with it, their coping mechanisms, you know, like just their perceptions. This is like the onset. Thank you, Elle, for uh, contributing uh, your reflections, your raw, instant reflections on this documentary. It's very valuable. I really like how you were completely skeptical. And then when I spoke to Elle two days later, she already had watched the first three episodes. So that's pretty cool. Um, I am trying to pace myself and go one every two weeks here. So I'm looking forward to watching 7 plus 7 during this next two weeks. And we'll discuss it two weeks from now. So please... Send any questions written. We have the voicemail on the on the website weatherthemind.org. I'm also uh, I've also prepared a little cheat sheet, which you can find in the notes. Um, when I watched this documentary this week, it inspired some thoughts. 
I ended up thinking a lot about child development psychology, picked up some a reader on the psychologist Jean Piaget. Um, I picked up a book, The Self-Driven Child, picked up another book on the optimistic child. So I'm I'm this has caused me to, you know, dive into that reflection of the foundation of the first 7 years. If that is the foundation, a lot of the early habits and rituals of our adult lives and our perceptions and our responses, if a lot of these are put in place in that first 7 years, how how do we nurture um a healthy set of experiences and responses? in these young children, in these young plants? How do we provide good soils, but also challenges so that the child can learn to overcome and face challenges and not be discouraged? The Optimistic Child book is something that I will um, read at length and give a review. That's by Seligman, who is works at University of Pennsylvania in the positive psychology movement. Positive psychology basically meaning proactive. And that's where I find myself most drawn to as well. How do we how do we develop proactive approaches? How do we teach how do we teach people coming up how to deal with the inevitable ups and downs, the anxiety and oppressions of life. So I hope this is good food for thought. Again, um, I want to he- I like to hear from you, share some thoughts or ideas if you got them and good things to come. I think I'm going to do an emotional health in the news show next week. And I like to do a reintroduction of some of the Weather of the Mind project. Um, I've really worked on designing a little simple pamphlet to get people involved in that. So I'll have more information on that in weeks to come. I hope you're living and learning and being patient and kind with yourself and others. Keep hydrated. Try to find some sleep. Oh, I'm working on a practical skill sleep episode and a practical skill onion, learning to use onions, Mm. Uh, practical skill onions episode and sleep. So good things to come. Keep living and learning. Bye-bye. Thank you.